first fight in Akumaten, he broke the fucking world record. Yeah! Bloodsport coming up next. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. International martial arts sensation, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Bloodsport, the true story of the ultimate champion. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Couch Potato Podcast. Lucas, what's happening, man? Oh, not much. For us, it's always a goddamn pleasure. Uh, yeah, exactly. A goddamn pleasure. Goddamn. Um. Well, uh, the movie we're doing today is the movie that uh, tied for our uh, fan vote back in January with The Fugitive, uh, and it was actually kind of a cool story. Uh, this movie's the genesis for what we do. Um, Bloodsport is what we're doing today. Um, Lucas, you want to give uh, everybody a, kind of uh, the bullet points of uh, our original Bloodsport episode? Um. <laughs> So, man, I'm trying to think, like, we were trying to, I think it was like when we first went, um, when we weren't face-to-face anymore, I think that was the first episode we did when we weren't face-to-face, and when we were recording, the the audio and video were off for each of us, mm-hmm. like, one of us was ahead of the other one, and, you know, it we had a great time. It was a great episode, but then we figured out when we listened to the recording that it was way off. And um, there was a uh, a brewery in town that used to deliver beer when everything was locked down, and they showed up at my house when we were doing the episode, and my dog barked for like 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, my dog Lemmy just kept barking off and on incessantly for 30 minutes, so that's also in there too. So It was so, still a fun episode. I think we still did really good. I, I think so too. Uh, that's uh, the lost episode. I think I deleted that shortly after uh, I listened to barking on my end for 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, so to give everybody a quick heads up on what this movie is about, Bloodsport is the story of an American soldier who leaves the army to fight in a secret tournament in Hong Kong. Sign me up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that there if there's really actually underground fight clubs like this, but uh, there should be. Oh, well, uh, I created a special category about, uh, about that later on we'll get into. It's a category specifically for this episode. Sweet. So, so we'll deep dive into that a little bit. Uh, Lucas, when's the first time you've seen Bloodsport? Uh, first time I saw Bloodsport was, I think I was at your house hanging out one day, and you asked me if I had ever seen it, and I said no, and I think we found it on YouTube. No, we. I think uh, we actually, it was on Netflix, and then we proceeded to watch Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth on YouTube. Oh, okay. Well, I knew, I know that it was at your house. We were just hanging out one day, and you asked me if I had ever seen it. Yeah, I think we just made a fun movie night out of it. And what a fun movie this is. 
Yeah. Um, I remember this was uh, kind of like a lot of the movies we've done. This was a staple of my house in the uh, the late 80s on uh, HBO and Showtime. This movie was on all the time. I mean, it would be on at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. You could also catch it at like 3 o'clock in the morning on like Tuesday. I mean, it So was, it's essentially like what Lord of the Rings is to TNT. Well, yeah, like TNT. It used to be Shawshank, and I think the Lord of the Rings took over for that. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, uh, Bloodsport's kind of like a kind of a, a cool era. Like this is the the uh, when Van Dam, Jean Claude Van Dam, and Steven Seagal were starting to try to stake their claim in the uh, the action universe in movies. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like Stallone and Schwarzenegger were kind of like the kings of the hill. Uh, I think. I think Seagal had uh, Above the Law coming out around this time. And then, like, this is Van Damme's big uh, – he was in, a, I think, something called No Retreat, No Surrender the year before, but this is, like, his first starring role. Okay. So, yeah, they were starting to kind of uh, make their uh, make some noise in Hollywood. Now, let me ask you this. Are you a Van Damme guy or are you a Seagal guy? Uh. To be honest with you, I haven't watched a whole lot of either one of their movies. <laughs> I know that's horrible to say, but um, I really like Van Damme in this movie just because I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of... Uh, give me some Steven Seagal movies that I would know. Okay, uh, Above the Law is his feature film debut. Don't know if I've seen it. Uh, hard to Kill. I think I've seen it. Uh, Hard to Kill is where he's the cop who uh, he is trying to investigate uh, some officers on the take, and they they kill his wife and his kid. They leave him in a coma, and then he wakes up several years later, and he looks like Jesus, and he tries Um, to basically get revenge. He tries to bust this senator and, like, these crooked cops. Um, Yeah, I don't – maybe. You know, I don't – I know I've seen him in a movie, but I just can't think of one. You've seen Under Siege, right? I think so. Him on the battleship? Dude, I've smoked so much weed, I can't remember any fucking thing. (laughs) All right, well, I guess uh, for me, I would probably, I liked Van, I'll give the edge to Van Damme. Like, if you just give me Steven Seagal's first four movies, which were uh, Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, where he's uh, taking on Jamaican drug lords. And then Under Excellent. Siege. And Under Siege, I'll take those over Van Damme's first four movies. But Van Damme has Bloodsport. He has Hard Target, uh, which is going to be a movie we're going to do sometime down the road. Uh, he's got Sudden Death, which he plays. It's like it's basically terrorists have taken over the igloo in pittsburgh during the stanley cup finals i mean it's oh yeah you were telling me about this. yeah it, like there's a point in the movie where like the goaltender he knocks out the goaltender and plays goalie for the penguins during a period of the game <laughs> uh and he has universal soldier time cop i think van damme's got better like seagal started off hotter but like i think van damme's kind of sustained himself longer so i would probably give the edge to van damme Oh, and by the, I was gonna say, by the way, the whole, uh, the whole coming in and being goalie thing. 
would seem far-fetched if the Zamboni driver hadn't done that for Carolina, like what, a year or two ago? Yeah. I just read a story about that today. I seen where he like, he was the emergency goaltender for the the Carolina hurricanes. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, imagine going out there and like playing for your favorite team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Van Dam plays a security guard at the, the igloo. And he tries to impress his kids, so he gets some tickets to a Stanley Cup game. I think it's yeah. Game Seven, and yeah, terrorists decide they're going to take over uh, the igloo because the vice president's there. Huh. <laughs> I mean, that just—you know—as crazy as the world is today, nothing action movie even seems far fetched anymore. No, I mean it's awesome. Uh, you should Until- watch it sometime. Until we tell you a little bit about uh, Frank Dukes, his life, that seems a little far-fetched. Yeah, that, that's definitely coming up. So, did, are you a Van Damme guy? I'm taking your Van Damme guy because you've seen more of his stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, if anything, do yourself a favor. At some point, watch Seagal's first, or, yeah, his first four movies. He kind of falls off a cliff after Under Siege to me. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll check him out. Yeah, because he starts, like... His next movie after Under Siege is uh, On Deadly Ground, and he decides he's going to direct it, and it's fucking shit show. Oh. It's about awesome. oil spills in Alaska, and then he just... Like, he basically starts putting on all this weight, and they, all he does is break dude's arms. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of a depressing subject, really, just oil spills. Yeah, but Steven Seagal cleans it all up, though. Oh, well, that's, yeah, of course he does. Does he use uh, Dawn dish soap? Clean off all the little duckies? And his fist. Well, naturally. Yeah, he doesn't, like, hit ducks that are, like, have oil all over them. Don't, don't think that. <laughs> I, I mean, he, like, he fights the people that, that dump the oil. He doesn't, like, hit geese or birds or anything like that. Although I'm sure oh, that, that crossed his mind. That would, that might make from the sound of it, it might make the movie a little better if he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll he'll do a sequel at some point where he just fights like all these oil uh, oil stained cre- uh, animals in uh, like the Alaska frontier. And it'll be on sci-fi. Oh yeah, it's like he fights Sharknado. That's yep. the one I'm waiting for. Seagal versus Sharknado. Oh man. Sci-fi, make it happen. I know nobody from Sci-Fi listens to our shit. No, they they don't. <laughs> Let's be real. No one from Sci-Fi Network has listened to this show. Hey, you never know. We're in like twenty countries. Somebody might. That's true, but I doubt anybody from Sci-Fi Network. But if you are listening, we are for sale. <laughs> we will hoe out for you. <laughs> yeah, hoes for shows. <laughs> All right, you ready to knock out some of these categories? Yep. Let's do All it. right. All right, well, first off, we'll uh, give you the tale of the tape. Uh, this was released on February 28th, 1988. Uh, as we established already, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is the star. Is it Van Damme or Van Damme? Um, I've always yes. called him Van Damme. I don't know. We're, I, I don't think I've ever heard it called Van Damme, but I've heard some like something he would like. Yeah. Well, for our show, he's Van Damme. Uh, Donald yep. Gibb. Leah Ayers, Norman Burton, <laughs> fucking Forrest Whitaker's in this. Yeah, uh, Dayquil and Nyquil at the same time. <laughs> you know, uh, 
I was doing a little research before we, and Bolo Young is also in this too, who is the fucking man is Chong Lee. But um, uh, yeah. when I was uh, doing a little research on this, like Forrest Whitaker was in the midst of like, he was just in all these prestigious movies. He was in Platoon. He had done uh, a movie called Bird about this jazz singer named Charlie Parker, which I think he got nominated for an Oscar for. And he was in Good Morning Vietnam, and I think he was in a couple other movies. But then he was sandwiched Bloodsport in between all those. Seems like a good play to me. It's like Daniel Day-Lewis doing, like, There Will Be Blood, Phantom Thread, and then, like, in between those two, he does, like, Fast and Furious 8. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, you know. You take what you get, I guess. Yeah, he must have needed a pool. <laughs> New car. Yeah. Um, it was directed by Newt Arnold, who I read in the research was actually the assistant director on The Godfather Part Two. Oh, wow. Uh, this movie at the box office made $11.8 million on a $2.3 million budget. And its Rotten wow. Tomatoes score is 40% from critics and 74% from audiences, which is kind of what I expect. Yeah, I mean... If we're being honest, it's not a great movie, but it's a fun, cheesy action movie. Yeah, it's a shitty film, but it's a fun movie. That's like, right. realistically like that's if you're uh, watching a movie about a underground fighting tournament, like I'm not expecting like Shawshank Redemption. No, nor should you. What was that noise in the background? Did you just pull out a fucking katana blade? It's how I turned it. Shing. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm preparing for battle. Okay, cool. You know that's the uh, the award. That was given to the winner of the Kumite was a sword. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. See, I I didn't even know it, and I was, you know, foreshadowing. You may as well just come clean and tell everybody that you are the 1998 Kumite champion. Sorry, guys, I failed to mention that. I was, in 1998, I was 11 years old, and I won the Kumite. I hey. defeated 78 other human beings. Well, we'll get into to that later. That's... Save save this is some good stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, well, uh, I'm going to skip the uh, research corner at first because I kind of want to start knocking out some of these uh, other categories. Uh, I'm going to start best scene. Now I've got quite a few nominees on here because essentially this whole movie is a fucking best scene. But uh, I kind of broke them down into some uh, some uh, the ones I like the best. Uh, you know the routine. If there's anything I'm missing, feel free to chime in. Um, you got it. Uh, I picked the opening of the movie where it has like the montage of the fighters. The ones you pretty much know are going to make it far in the tournament. You have like Chong Li like, just kicking the shit out of those blocks of ice. Uh, you mm-hmm. have uh, the guy who jumps up in the tree and karate chops the shit out of the coconuts. Um, you have um, the guy that wears like the like the loincloth who throws that big bag at those dudes. I think that guy's name is Pumala. Um, there's the guy. Name. Yeah. I always called him, uh, who's the fighter and street fighter? Uh, the sumo wrestler. Isn't that oh, E Honda? Uh, yeah, E Honda. Yeah, that's what I always called him when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> then there's like the, I don't know the fighter's name but he's the guy they're fighting on that island. Like, he's training, and then you see, like, Ray Jackson, like, just beating the shit out of a fucking, like, a heavy bag. Mm-hmm. 
I really like that. Um, there's the Frank Duke's fucking 20 minute flashback sequence where he basically him and his two friends break into uh, Tanaka's house to steal his sword and first thing is I can't figure out why he's got a New York Giants hat and a New York Giants football jersey on well what probably happened was there was probably a lady in Hollywood who was dressing the people for this movie and she saw two things that said Giants and was like oh yeah let's go ahead and use those well, the thing of it is, though, he's got the, the SF, the, the San Francisco Giants logo. It doesn't say anything on the hat about Giants at all. It just says SF, and it's a Giants football jersey. Oh, well. It doesn't even, like, I'm sure if my wife were listening to this, she'll tell me, like, that, the black and orange and then, like, the red, white, and blue doesn't fucking match. <laughs> um, um, maybe he, maybe that's all they had laying around. It could have been. It's like, you know what, dude, we've got, like, 30 bucks left, just make something happen what would you dress your kid in somebody go to fucking lids uh, yeah that looks more like a goodwill special because like the uh the jersey there's like it's 55 on the back but then it has number five on the arms so it's like the five <laughs> fell off maybe uh maybe when he was breaking in the house it got ripped off yeah, and then like uh, Tanaka's sons get beat up at school, and then there's that uh, those kids that are egging the fight on. One of them is wearing a Bartles and James sh- shirt, which was a wine cooler popular in the '80s. The kid's like 12; <laughs> he's wearing a Bartles and James shirt at school, no less. Yeah, then they have like that emotional sequence with Tanaka where he's getting choked up after his son dies, and then you know Frank training, getting his kumite training, and there's that scene where he's basically got him tied up, like on that tree and he's stretching the shit out of him. Yeah. Right. I know his fucking, he tore like both his groin muscles in that. I don't think, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme had groin muscles. No, if you see him do the splits, there's no way. Um, but I also got, uh, the, uh, the scene when they, uh, first get to the Kumite and they ask to see, uh, Frank gives his invitation to those three guys, the committee, I guess, or the guys that work the door. I don't know what those dudes' roles are. But they have. he has to prove his uh, worth. So he basically does that move called the dim mock where he hits the brick at the bottom and the brick explodes. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. that's when we were introduced to Chong Lee too. And then, he um, kind of w- walks by and kind of is unimpressed. Yeah, he says, very good, but brick not hit back. We'll save that for later. I've I've got that in uh, one of the categories. Um, then I've got the Stan Bush fight to survive uh, montage where it's like the opening rounds of the fight of the fights. Uh, oh yeah, Russ. I gotta tell you, I let you down. I was supposed to learn the words to that so that I could just you know sing a little bit of it. Yeah, that was gonna be the the opening of the show was going to be Lucas singing fight to survive the whole thing, but it's too late now. <laughs> Like we could I mean, get a studio. I don't, I don't know. We could still do it. I don't know that we got to get a recording studio. We've got to get a backing band. I don't think we can pull that off by Friday. Yeah, it's worth a shot anyway. Um, next scene I have is uh, Frank Dukes versus Pumala. That's that scene where uh, Pumala actually gives him a run for his money, and then like Frank ends up hitting him in the stomach. He makes that really that 
that quick motion with his hand, kind of like with what he did with the dim mock. And then Pumala like it stumbles back and he tries to go after him again. And then like basically Frank just punches the shit out of his dick. <laughs> he just levels him right in the crotch. <laughs> you hit him right in the old speed bag. Mm-hmm. Um, then I've got uh Chong Lee versus Ray Jackson, which I don't know, understand why. I don't know how many rounds are in this tournament, but that seems like that should have been a semifinal matchup. But it seems yeah. like it seems like if you're uh if you're fans of the NBA, the NCAA basketball tournament, that would be like Duke being a number one and then like Michigan State being like a number four, but they should have been a two. Yeah. And they end up meeting in like the sweet sixteen. It's a, that kind of matchup. And I don't know why Ray Ray hits him one time and thinks he killed him. Like he punches him, <laughs> knocks him back. He's, a... he's fucking dead. I killed him. It's like, come on, dude. Like, because Ray's a bad motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last one I got is the the fight between Chong Lee and Frank Dukes. Well, yeah. Well, there's so there's one scene that I also think is worthy of being in in the best scene, and that's when uh, at the end. Um, Ray is in the hospital mm-hmm. uh, drinking a beer and he's just fine because he's drinking a beer. Oh yeah. That's uh, you talking about like after Frank wins and then like, yeah, like, like at the very end of the movie when, when you, you, know, you think Ray's dead, but he's actually fine because he's drinking beer. Yeah. It, like that. Actually, I have that as an honorable mention. Um, it's really weird. Like, this whole movie up to that point, like the acting in this, people have basically just said, you know what, fuck it. We're just going to do our thing. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, we're on a time crunch. But like, that's actually a pretty, a pretty well-acted scene between uh, Donald Gibb and uh, Van Damme. Talking about the one where he goes, I love you, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how I think I would be if uh, I got hit in the head and I – like he has that like that bandage around his head that like that's how they stitched up like Civil War vets. Like if they, <laughs> yeah. if, if, they if they took some damage at, like and and teed them. Like oh by the way, uh, Japan is a uh, pretty well technically advanced country even in the eighties. Ray um, Jackson's head is hard as fuck too because like Chong Lee stomps the shit out of his head and he basically what a day later is drinking beers in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had that one as an honorable mention because I, I think it's it it's easily the the best acted scene in that whole movie. So, but I I didn't like it as much as the other ones. Like, it's not that scene that if I seen it on TV, I would stop and watch the rest of it. Well, there would be like two minutes left. So. That's also that's a very good point. It's like, well, fuck, you know, this movie's almost over, and I'm not gonna sit and watch this. Right. Uh, but what would be your pick for the best scene of the movie? Um, probably, um, the Frank Dukes Chun-Li fight. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, the only nitpick I have with that one beef is when Chong-Li throws the salt in his face. Like, Frank acts like he's completely fucking blind. Like, he can't see anything. But, like... Oh, dude, I, I laugh at that scene every single time where he's looking at his hands like, what are these? It looks like he's in a completely different movie. It's like... It's almost like you're expecting like an Oscar picture where like a guy gets into a traffic accident and loses sight, and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't understand why. 
what am I doing here? Um, I know for me, I've, I've mentioned this before in the Karate Kid episode that I am a fucking sucker for a montage sequence. And That's a long montage. I am going with the Stan Bush fight to survive, that opening montage of the fights where they have that fight to survive song. Like, that's going to be my pick. If I see it on TV, like, well, this isn't going anywhere for 30 minutes. <laughs> I got to be up in three hours, but fuck it. Yeah, I got to be at work in 20 minutes. I'll be late. <laughs> <laughs> By two hours watching this movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, hey, sorry I'm late. Uh, I had to see Frank win the Kumite. Uh Okay. I needed to know if he was going to get that damn sword or not. Right. Like, is he going to win the sword or is it going to be Chong Lee? Um, now, uh, I'm going to segue into the, uh, the best quote, or as we've named it, the King Kong ain't got shit on me best quote of the movie, which is named after uh, Denzel Washington's uh, performance and training day. Um, By the way, uh, kudos on the name of the of the category. I love it. Yeah, I like it too. It, it it flows. I still got to come up with one for best sequence, though, or best scene. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, this movie's not really dialogue heavy, so this was kind of a tough one for me. But um, I have Chong Lee saying at the be- near the beginning, he goes, "Very good, but brick don't hit back." Um, Chong Lee also saying to Frank, uh, he goes, "You break my record, now I break you." Like, I break your friend. Like, after, I think it's in the semis after he fucking kills that guy. Yeah. Um, this one's from Ray Jackson where he goes, his first fight in Kumite, he breaks the fucking world record. Yeah! <laughs> I just love how he's just drunk the whole fucking movie. This yeah, he's like fucking... Me up. He is sloshed, like, three-fourths of this movie. Um... I also like uh, Victor Lin, who I uh, call the Kumite Jimmy Hart because he looks like uh, he has that Jimmy Hart, uh, the old wrestling manager, the mouth of the South. He has that uh, oh, yeah. that Jimmy Hart mullet, and he always wears those like Puma jumpsuits. But uh, when he in- gets introduced to uh, Ray and Frank, he goes, uh, I'm Lin. You Jackson? You look like a Jackson. That must make you Frank Ducks. Oh, yeah. And then Frank corrects him. He goes, no, oh, like, put up your Dukes, right? Right. And then uh, yeah. the last one I have is I use this line a lot for, like, it's kind of a when somebody once is, like, telling me to do something, and I kind of acknowledge them in a very condescending way. But the old guy in the alley, when they're getting ready to go into the Kumite, the mm-hmm. old guy goes, okay, USA. And then, like, he lets them in. Oh, yeah. So those are my... My nominees for best uh, quote. Do you have anything? Um, uh, when Ray says, time to separate the men from the boys. Mm-hmm. And that guy says, uh, just be sure Chong Lee doesn't separate your head from your body. Oh, shit. I, th- I don't remember that one. When does he say that? Uh, I think it's right before he goes in there and fights him. Oh, really? That makes yeah. sense. Oh, yeah, when Jackson fucking kills him after he basically like grazes his cheek. Yeah. Um, I'm going with the, uh, as much as I use okay USA, I fucking love it when he just like, when Ray just jumps up right after his first fight and just yells his first fight to Kumite, he breaks the fucking world record. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause he just, he goes full in on that. I think that's what I'm going to open the show with. I like it. 
You yeah. should. All right. Uh, our uh, next category is the uh, I Once Knew a Girl on Gordon Street, which uh, is named after Charlton Heston's br- uh, brief, brief cameo in Wayne's World 2. And uh, this is basically the best performance by, like, not one of the main leads, but not like a se- like somebody that's not in the movie that often. Um, my my picks are uh, Helmer and Rollins. That's Forrest Whitaker and Norman Burton. Mm. Um, Victor Lynn and uh, the bookie at the Kumite, the one just like taking the money, like the one that ends uh, the reporter ends up like sneaking into the Kumite with. Oh yeah, that guy because he ends up bribing uh, one of the judges to let Frank be late. Um, yeah. Those are my uh, contenders. Uh, I'm voting for Victor Lynn. That's uh, Kumite Jimmy Hart. Yep, it's Victor. It's yep. got to be Victor. Oh, yeah. Simply, like, I when I noticed it, it cracks me up when, like, they're walking from the hotel to the Kumite. It's one of those scenes where you could tell it's easily, like, it's a voiceover. Like, they had no microphone on him at all. But he's walking <laughs> and mimicking with his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, and you know what? If... If there's anybody listening to this and you don't know what we're talking about, just Google Victor from Bloodsport and then Google uh, Jimmy Hart and you will know exactly what we're talking about because he really looks just like him. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Yeah, Kumite Jimmy Hart. Um, I wish they actually would have named him that. <laughs> <laughs> like That would have been his character name. Oh, yeah, dude. Like If they remake Bloodsport, that's what he's going to be. Just Kumite Jimmy Hart. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, now we'll uh, we'll segue into uh, the William Somerset Research Corner, which uh, is aptly named after the library scene in Seven. Um, the fighter Hussein, um, I believe he is the guy. Yeah, he's the guy that uh, Van Dam like when they he Van Dam takes the coin out of his hand so he could take the reporter home with him. Uh, that guy oh, actually. Yeah. That guy actually got knocked out by Van Dam in their fight. Uh, really? Yeah. Because I think his tooth goes flying out. Hmm. Um, I I didn't know that. But I do find it funny in that scene how like that lady is just okay with two guys like, you know, having a battle for who's gonna bang her that night. Yeah, she's kind of getting into it there for a little bit after, especially after Van Dam wins. She's like, "Okay, okay." She's at first she seems to be repulsed, but then she's like kind of into it. She's like, "All right, who's who's trying to fight for this pussy right here?" <laughs> Is that a deleted <laughs> scene? <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Well, we didn't necessarily want to put that in the movie. We wanted you to see." More like a lady, you know, not who's trying to slam this, uh, who's trying to jackhammer this pussy tonight. (laughs) Your dog seems to be like really enamored with this episode right now. Either that or she, uh, she really wants to watch it right now. She could be, she could be pining for, uh, she's, she just wants to see the Kumite. She actually, she might fight in it next time. Well, uh, you know, if you find out it's real, let me know. I'd be, I'd be in for that. Will do. Um, okay. Uh, the uh, arcade game, 
that Frank and uh, Ray are playing is called Tyson Karate Do. Okay, huh. cool. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't know what to say about that. I just, you know, in case anybody's out there wondering like what that game is, that's what it's called. Well, now I'm going to look for it. Yeah, like this actually, there wasn't a whole lot of research. Like there wasn't really a lot to go off of. So that's why I created the special category we're going to get to in just a minute. Um, oh, okay. The video game Mortal Kombat was greatly inspired by Bloodsport. And the character Johnny Cage is based off of Frank Duke's Wow, you know, I didn't know that, but that totally makes fucking sense. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it really does. Like, from it's the a- whole the aesthetic of the of the game, and then the way that Johnny Cage like even looks as the character, mm-hmm. that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I actually after Mortal Kombat, I kind of thought that who Johnny Cage was because uh, at first Johnny Cage was my dude because like he looked cool with the sunglasses, and then. Uh, I eventually just gravitated towards Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Well, as you should, because they're awesome characters. They are. I was a fucking stupid kid. Uh, well, all righty then. <laughs> well, when it comes to Mortal Kombat, I was. I was ill-formed. I had never played it until the uh, the console versions came out. And I thought, like, oh, cool, guys, sunglasses. I'm going to use him. And then. Fun fact for you. That's the first game I ever owned on uh, Super Nintendo. Oh, was it? See, uh, I roped my mom into buying it for me on the Sega Genesis because she didn't know how violent it was. And I uh, I pre-ordered it from one of the stores here, and you had to have a parent come and pay for it. And they, my mom did put two and two together on why she had to be in there to buy it for me, but I took it home, and then like I remember her coming in there when I ripped some dude's head off. <laughs> That's awesome. like, and the Sega Genesis version had blood. The, I don't think the Super Nintendo one did. It didn't. It was dust, which was super fucking lame. Yeah, Sega, we got blood. That's why the Sega Genesis will yeah. always be better than the Super Nintendo. And only for that reason, I think. Um, also, this isn't. This doesn't have anything to do with Bloodsport, but since we were talking about Mortal Kombat, that game is the reason that we have ratings on games now. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's when they, because uh, that was the first, uh, was, is it still M-A? Uh, or M? M, yeah. Okay. I think it was M-A back in the day for, like, mature audiences or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while um, since I played video games. That Senator, whatever their name, was it, was it Lieberman? Yeah, it was Joe Lieberman. Was really offended by it or something? afraid that all the kids are going to become violent. I think I he didn't appreciate that game because I guarantee you he took his grandson to an arcade and his grandson beat the shit out of him in that game. Yep, that's probably what happened. I mean, so you know what? Fuck this. They bring this out to the Sega. I'm going to I'm just going to cock block these dudes. Fuck them. <laughs> um the the dim mock the maneuver where uh, Frank hits the brick and destroys any brick that they choose uh, mm-hmm. is completely made up, not real. Oh, all right. And I thought it was like it seems like something that would be like a martial arts maneuver. Like at least I thought so, and I read it, I was like, really, that's made up. I thought for sure if anything is real in this movie, it's that. But well, 
I don't know anything about martial arts, so I just kind of believe that all the moves in it were real. Yeah, but hey, you know what? I it, 2020 has been a disappointment. 2021 hasn't been that awesome so far. So yeah, let's just fucking ruin blood sport now. <sighs> Sorry, audience. We I, know you voted for this. We're ruining it for yeah. you. Yeah. All right. Actually, I'm just going to end the episode now. I'm just. I read that and just. I'm sick to my stomach. Let's just go to bed. Fuck it. Fuck it. We're not even putting this out. <laughs> um, no stuntmen were used in this movie. Wow. Which I find to be fairly odd considering it costs $2.3 million and there's really no big stars in this. Did it just cost that much to just go to Tokyo and film on location? Or something? I'm almost wondering if some of that money just didn't end up in somebody's, like, like producers just, like, cut themselves a check. Well, you know Frank Dukes, as crazy as he was, he fucking took a giant cut. Oh, yeah. And now that you mentioned Frank Dukes, that's going to take us to the special category we got in store for you guys today. Uh, I couldn't did come I, up with a Did I just do a segue? I think you did. Holy shit. Um, I could come up with a really cool name for this, so I apologize. Uh, but I'm going to call this the best of Frank Dukes Tall Tales. Okay. Uh, I was doing a little research on Frank Dukes, and apparently a lot of the shit, uh, the stories that he made up regarding the Kumite and his life are completely made up. Uh, I don't know if the Kumite is even real. I don't think it is. Uh, there's an L.A. Times article. Uh, I accidentally deleted the link last night, so I don't have a... Uh, a link, but if you just Google Frank Dukes, LA times, there's a huge article about some of the shit he had embellished in regards to the making of this. But, uh, I've got a list of facts here. I thought were kind of hilarious. Um, kind of let you know exactly who Frank Dukes is. And have you seen what Frank Dukes looks like? Um, I think I looked him up at one point, but I don't know off my head at the moment. Well, you know how we briefly touched on Steven Seagal versus Van Damme? Yeah. Uh, Frank Dukes looks like he would be like Van Damme, or not Van Damme, but like Steven Seagal's like kind of his loser brother. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, like like Steven Seagal's like a successful movie star. You know, he's a very famous. And then you got Chet Seagal. Yeah, it's like there's Steven Seagal, then there's like Sam Seagal, who's like a fucking like, uh, you know, like a shift lead at the Olive Garden. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, he's like he runs uh, the lumber department at Home Depot. Maybe has a coke problem. Parents are super disappointed in him. Thrice married. <laughs> and has like three kids he hasn't seen in like sixteen years. But still claims that he's father of the year. Oh, yeah. Like, he shows up to one of their baseball games. He's like, you know what? I'm a fucking good dad. <laughs> and he's got, a fucking, he's got a fucking beer and a beer koozie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Frank Come Dukes, on, everybody. Son, hit a home run. But he managed to bullshit his way into having, like, a feature film made about him. So, like, hey, you know what? Like, I haven't been able to do that yet. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to respect that, I guess. So, yeah, I'll give him his due. Um well, first off, uh, I didn't try to do the math, but at the end of Bloodsport, 
they have a list of like accomplishments Frank Dukes had. And one of them I thought was kind of weird. So I looked it up and it, uh, one of the, uh, the records he has is he had 56 knockouts in one Kumite tournament. Now I had to look this up because there was no way I was doing the math, but in order for him to have 56 knockouts in one tournament, there would have to be over 72 quadrillion fighters participating in that Kumite. <laughs> I, so I don't even know if that's a real number. <laughs> is quadrillion so a real number? It was like, uh, I, yes, it is. Oh, okay. Like that's got to be more than the the actual population of the Earth. So, in essence, in 1989, when I'd seen this movie for the first time, I would have been 10 years old. I would have had to have fought in the Kumite <laughs> for him to get these over. knockouts. Several million times over. Yeah, my grandfather and my mom and my younger brother who at the time this I think takes place my brother would have been like six months old well he would have had to get his ass kicked too yeah <laughs> it's just it's just the rules it's the Frank Duke's rules yeah like hey what happened to your brother's face oh yeah he uh when he was six months old he got roundhouse kicked in the kumite <laughs> he put up a hell of a fight yeah he cried for like five minutes though um <laughs> He was offered uh, $25,000 to murder Steven Seagal. Oh, Jesus. So by who? <laughs> See, like, I tried to find that out, and I couldn't really find anything else about it. So I don't know if that is actually legitimate or not, but it was too hysterical not to include in this. Absolutely. Um, Frank Duke sold his Kumite sword to save a bunch of orphans from the Philippines from being sold into servitude. So, so he's a hero in the Kumite. He's a hero in all of our hearts as well, saving mm-hmm. the children. Yeah, he saved a bunch of kids. What a uh, guy. I, I dug a little bit into this, and he made a comment that these kids would, like, basically, they are so grateful for what he did that they would murder for him. <laughs> so maybe that's who he was going to give. Like, he was going to like, hey, hey, man, remember when I saved you from, like, getting, like, sold into, like, Sex trafficking when you were a kid. Uh, I gave you like five hundred bucks. You mind killing Steven Seagal for me? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how they were like saved from servitude, but then they were turned into fucking heinous murderers. I don't think they actually turned into murderers, but I think they. He mentioned like they were so grateful and like they are so loyal to him that if he asked them to kill somebody, that they would. Well, he's crazy, so I'm assuming he probably would ask them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he probably would have. I'm sure that that was a, hey, listen, man, I got 250 bucks and an Outback Steakhouse gift card. <laughs> you know go the guy that's... A, go get yourself something nice, like a blooming onion. You know the guy that's in hard to kill? I need you to kill him. He's not that hard to kill. Um, Frank Dukes won the Medal of Honor for a secret mission in Southeast Asia. However... Military reports show that Frank Dukes never even left San Diego. Well, I mean, that's, he was pretty close to his mission spot. Mm-hmm. He was only halfway around the world. Yeah. Uh, he apparently worked as a CIA operative. Okay. Um, 
These last three, though, are like so fucking ludicrous. Uh, do you remember back? Oh, it might have been like 10 years ago. You know how like the Chuck Norris, like these mythical facts about Chuck Norris, like, you know, the boogeyman, like checks his bed for Chuck Norris, shit like that. Yeah, when uh, when Chuck Norris does push-ups, he pushes the earth down. Yeah, stuff like that. And, you know, like Chuck Norris was uh, – or World War II ended like 12, 13 a.m. on January 20th. Chuck Norris was born like 12 – like, you know, like a minute before. Right. Um, so these kind of have that, that vibe to them. Um, okay. Frank Dukes was the first man to wear biker shorts – in competition. <laughs> uh, he also once caught a striking snake with his bare hand. Oh, wow. So, got a whole Jumanji vibe going on. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the final one holds a tug-of-war record where he stood on one leg against 66 people. Well, if he looks like the uh, trashier brother of Steven Seagal, I believe it. Yeah, he probably, probably too, did it. It's like probably some, too fucking fat for anybody to pull him. He probably did it at some family cookout. However, he beat his own record in Mexico shortly thereafter by standing on one leg against 100 people. <laughs> How do the Mexican people feel about this? Does he have a statue? I don't know. Like... I don't know, like, you know, did they have their family reunion in Mexico? Like, was it in, uh, you know, Mexico City? Like, hey, we're going to go down to Mexico. Uh, we've got plenty of beer and baked beans and hamburgers. Come on down. We're going to get shit-faced drunk. And then, you know, like, hey, you remember when Frank stood on one leg and kicked the shit out of us? We're just going to add more people to that. So they were like, I mean, they made a big deal out of this. They probably sent, like, flyers to, like, ninth and 10th cousins, like, Hey, let's kick the shit out of him in tug of war. Family reunion. Woo! <laughs> I, I, I have a question about one of the facts, though. Okay. Um, this medal of honor that he won. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, does anybody know about this, or was the mission so secretive that they couldn't even give him the medal of honor? You know, for everybody to know. Well, when I was uh, when I was doing the research on it, like apparently. It's like his missions were so secretive that like they sealed his records, including so, like, his Medal of Honor um, awarding, which is done publicly by the president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also read well, something too that he was apparently a like a double agent, like he was a major in the the Soviet Army, and he were you know was a member of the United States military. I don't know how that works. I don't know, but man, I tell you what, he's a true American hero. We appreciate his service. Yeah, so if you ever get bored, anybody listening out there, uh, I mean, you can just, there's all kinds of funny shit. I just, I found these personally amusing myself. You may think, like, man, like, dude, these are fucking stupid, but, like, I thought they were hysterical. Like, I just imagined Steven Seagal's older brother, what did we say his name was? Like, Stan Seagal or something? Well, I came up with Chet. You said you said uh, uh, Sam. Sam, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. Chet Seagal. We'll just go with it. I like Chet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like Chet Seagal. Like, you know, I just imagine Chet Seagal doing all this stuff. So, um, well, uh, so who owns the movie? Who is like the one person that like I, makes this movie work? 
Like, who's like the like the best thing about this movie? Um, I really, I only have two nominees. I'll let you throw yours out there first, and I'll. Well, either um, Frank Dukes or Jackson, for me. Mm. Well, uh, no, and and Chun Chung Lee. Those three. Um. I kind of wanted to go with uh, Bolo Young, Chung Lee. Like he's actually, if I'm going to rank like my favorite movie villains of all time, Chung Lee is in the the top twenty, for sure. Uh, yeah, like he is fucking cold blooded. I like I actually, I like Chung Lee better than I do Frank Dukes in this movie. And I remember when I when I was uh, a kid, uh, my grandpa when he would watch it with me. He always rooted for Chong Lee to win, even though he had seen that movie hundreds of times and knew it wasn't going to happen. But he always rooted yeah. for Chong Lee to win. But that being ba- the bad guy never wins like he should. No, and I mean like he like for real though he commands like he's I think I read he's only in the movie for like a total of seven minutes. Really? Yeah, I mean he's not in it that long. Wow. I mean if you, if you really if you think about it, he's only in like the brief the brief uh, like opening montage where they show him training. He pops up very briefly when Frank does the dim mock. He's maybe in there 30 seconds to a minute when they show him fighting. Like the biggest scene he's, he has are when he fights Jackson and when he fights Frank at the end. So he's not in there that long. But like yeah, he's well, fucking – He definitely – he commands when he's in there. Yeah, he's pretty unforgettable. Um, but – I, I still think that Van Damme owns this movie. I yeah. Mean, simply because, like, it's kind of like you get, like, a, a a new action star. I mean, Van Damme had a pretty successful career in, like, in action movies. I mean, most of those guys, they kind of tail off towards the end. But, I mean, like, when you think about, like, the greatest action stars of all time, like, Van Damme is probably not – I would put him in the, the Stallone and Schwarzenegger tier – and he might be a little below like uh Gibbs, Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis and Keanu Reeves. I think Keanu Reeves trumps everybody, but that's a different story or a different topic for a different day. Ooh, that should be a poll question that we put up on our social media. Maybe we will do that at some point. Maybe I'll put it up there tonight. Ooh, you could even do like a tournament uh bracket style. You know how you were telling uh producer Adam and I about the uh video game best character of all time and they had that tournament bracket oh for the greatest action like star of all time yeah maybe we will do that maybe we'll do that at some point that actually sounds like a very good idea um i have those every once in a while (laughs) they're they're rare but they come up every once in a while the mind's a bit limber tonight um (laughs) but yeah like van damme is kind of like you know he's like in that maybe that third tier of like action Action stars. I mean, he mm-hmm. basically mined a 20-year-plus career out of this movie. Well, I think I think you become like a, like a star like that when people know who you are. So people can look at him and know who he is. Oh, yeah. He's Even if easily. they've never seen his movies, they know who he is. Oh, yeah. I, I could – like my mom, who I've, I think I've mentioned before, my mom has like maybe seven or eight movies she watches. I mean, she could spot Van Damme immediately when she sees him on TV, like, oh, that's Van Damme. That's the, she'll call it, probably call him the karate guy or something like that. But Yeah. 
Yeah, I think Van Damme owns this movie. I mean, he just he had that little. It's hard. Loop. It's hard to disagree with that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, before we go, though, uh, Lucas, do you want to fill everybody on what we're doing uh, for the next episode? Uh, the next episode is role models, correct? Yeah, we're doing role models. Uh, we're going to have a special guest on with us. He's been yeah, on the show before. That's kind of a hint. Uh, yeah, it's a returning guest from one of our uh, one of our better episodes I think we've ever done. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess if people like the episode, I mean, like, I don't know how much feedback we've gotten, but it's it's one of our most listened to episodes. But well, uh, I go, I go by what Tina tells me, and she really liked it. She thought it was one of the better ones. So well, good. She uh, if uh, Facebook has those top fans, like if they we had badges for our listeners, like I would I would definitely give her a, like the badge. Yeah, I'm gonna get her like a little ribbon. Brotato number one fan. <laughs> yeah, we've got the Brotato tot. Now we've got the Brotato fan. The uh, the mashed Brotato. Oh, there we go. Something. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what we're doing next time. We're doing role models, and then uh, after that, I, I an episode I really looking forward to doing too. Uh, but we'll tell you guys about that after the role models episode. So. If you guys like what you hear, please leave us a review on uh, iTunes. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have any thoughts, questions, hit us up at uh, couchpotatopodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram too. So hit us up. We want to hear what you guys have to say. We would love to be able just to shoot shit with you too. So uh, hit us up. So uh, until next time, uh, we'll talk at you later. Bye, everybody.